The following program, The Voice for Southeast Texas, is paid for by the Dana Steele Campaign. Welcome from the Associated Credit Union of Texas studio. This is The Voice for Southeast Texas with Houston radio legend and Texas Radio Hall of Famer, Dana Steele. Good morning and welcome back to The Voice for Southeast Texas. I'm Dana Steele. We do this every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 Central Time uh, in the Clear Lake area from the Vinyl Draft Studios. I gave you a little preview of that a little bit earlier on Facebook Live. Sitting here with my booker partner slash right arm that helps me put all this together, Vicki Parker. Good morning. How are you? She's great. She's great. She just, you know, she finds all these things that are that are of great interest and 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 um, also great help to folks in Southeast Texas. There's so much going on. A lot of us still recovering from Hurricane Harvey. Some folks still trying to get their money. Some folks still trying to get sheetrock. Some folks who will never recover. I mean, there are people that are still waiting to put up sheetrock from Rita and uh, and Ike in our area. But I have some good news. We had Larry Horning on a couple of weeks ago. Larry owns a furniture store over off the Katy Freeway. He, uh, in fact, we, you know what, Vicky? Let's add that to the when we when we post this podcast later on. Let's add Larry's number because Larry had a great offer. He's just he lost everything in his home, um, and he's making an offer to anybody who needed to buy furniture that he will give it to you at his cost uh just show him you know the proof of your 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 filing with your insurance company or fema or whatever so i'll get that but the good news is we had larry on a couple of weeks ago he was having a really hard time from a large major bank was making him jump through hoops uh they owed him quite a bit of money six figures and they had only given him four thousand and the whole thing was just starting to seem sort of like a scam um, and so we had Larry on the show talking about what they were doing to him. I sent that podcast to a local investigative team at a local um, affiliate, news affiliate here in Houston. They took on the challenge, and I can tell you there is a happy ending to the story. I can't give you all the details until it airs, but I will get you an air date, or I'll post it on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be able to see the story. But they have discovered that this was not only happening to Larry, it's happening to a lot of people. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to uh, to help a lot of folks with this. A couple of things I wanted to pass on to you. Been a big week, um, of course, in order to run any kind of campaign, and that's what we're doing right now. I'm running to to be the, uh, the congresswoman for CD36 in Texas. Uh, if you would like to donate to the campaign, I know everybody, it is rough right now with everybody recovering from a hurricane so five dollars ten dollars if you can make it recurring a month believe me that all adds up five dollars a month helps me buy coffee to keep my volunteers going in the in the call room and and who are helping out around the district. Uh, you know, $10 helps me keep a little bit of chocolate on the desk so I can sugar them up. $50 a month pays for our website hosting. A couple of hundred dollars a month, if you could do anything like that, buys gas for Lady Liberty so we can go around the district. Takes a lot of money to run a campaign, and I really appreciate everybody who's been donating. We outraised, almost outraised the incumbent two to one in small donors, meaning real people donating $200 or less. We are a campaign for the people. He is funded by special interest. Um, so if you would like to find out more, go to danasteel36.com, D-A-Y-N-A-S-T-E-E-L-E-36.com. Or if you'd just like to volunteer, you don't even have five bucks. Hey, you can. You got a phone. You can pick up a phone and call people and say, hey, I want to tell you about Dana Steele. If you'd like to volunteer, you'd like to do some call banking for us. Maybe you'd like to host a house party. Somebody's having a big fish fry for us a week from Saturday up in Livingston. And I'm hoping it warms up a little bit for that fish fry. But I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, so if you'd like to do something like that, again, go to danasteel36.com. You look up in the upper right-hand corner. It says Join Us, and you click on that. I'm going to get Vicki to get JoLynn Brand, our first guest. She's actually on the phone today. Oh, she's there. All right. So we're going to talk to her here in just a minute. My platform, uh, if you didn't know... Huh? Oh, open the phone for you? I yeah. guess that would help, huh? Let's see. There you go. There's nothing like live radio. So 
I think I screwed up your whole thing there, but there, I'll let you call uh, Joe Lynn. I guess I need to give Vicki the uh, passcode to my phone. My platform is healthcare plus education equals jobs. Healthy, educated people work. Healthy, educated people create opportunity. It is such a simplistic equation, but it is my platform. It is what I'm running on. It is what I will work on every single day when I am in Congress. Let's let's do the let's do the equation backwards. Infrastructure is so important. The roads I drove on today, the post office I dropped off a package at, the school I sent my son to, the airport my husband will fly in and out of next week. That's all part of our infrastructure. And in order to have a a well-run uh, well-built and operating infrastructure in this country. We have to have a strong economy. Well, to have a strong economy, you have to have a lot of people working and successful companies. And in order to have a lot of people working, people have to be healthy and educated. That's where it all goes back to. It doesn't start from infrastructure and work back. It doesn't start from corporations and work back. It starts with we, the people, and we, the people, have to be healthy and educated. And we're going to start off this morning by talking about uh, uh, education. Do we have Jolene on the phone yet? We do. Yeah, I do. There you are. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? You are. I am. I'm doing great. Leon, can we turn her up just a little bit? Maybe I can turn you up on the phone. We're having. Okay. Let's see if I can turn you up there. There we go. All right, Jolene. Thank you so much for joining us. A higher education specialist specializing in the uh, the admissions process. Sun 3.0 is a senior at Clear Horizons. We just did that. We did. Um, what do we do? UT, UTSA. University of Houston, and and then Texas A and M, which is my alma mater. Um, you know, I've. I, I'm a third generation Aggie, and I'm I'm doing my damnedest to get a fourth generation, whether he likes it or not. So, um, Jolene, education though, higher education. I hear this a lot. College is not for everyone. Um, when you hear that, what do you say? Um, I agree. There's there's going to be some kids who who aren't, aren't ready for college, or maybe it's not the best choice for them. They probably still need some type of skills or training after high school. Unfortunately, most people can't come out of high school directly and get a job that supports them. So while college and, you know, going off to the typical four-year university and living in a dorm is not for everybody, I think most people do need to go get some sort of job training, whether that's a trade or a community college skill or a certificate or an actual degree from a university. You know, the the school district that my son is in, Clear Creek Independent School District, Mm -hmm. started something years ago, and I've I've noticed that a few places around the country are doing it now. I wish we could do more of it. And that is, he goes to Clear Horizons Early College High School, Mm -hmm. uh, which was originally created for, you know, they discovered that uh, low-income kids were, were graduating top of the class and then not getting a good job and not going to college. Um, because they couldn't afford it. They couldn't do it. So now they go to college and high school at the same time. They at least graduate with an associate's degree and right. and some internships and some experience under their belt. And if they don't go on to college, they can walk right into into a job. And it's been a you know, it's been a great experience for my son. Talk to me a little bit about, I mean, you worked at San Jack, you've worked in the Pasadena School District, who, who by the way, do a great job of providing internet for their students. Um, a community college uh, is is another option for kids, right? It is, yes. Community college is going to be much cheaper than a four-year, not only because you're saving um, dorm fees and meal plans and those types of kids who stay home, um, but the tuition at community college is, is much less than tuition at a four-year university. Um, you have to be really careful because a lot of kids who transfer don't take the right classes, and then you'll tr- lose some transfer credit. So then, you know, maybe not everything you saved wasn't real savings if the class doesn't count anymore. So some planning needs to go into effect to make sure they're taking the right classes and those will transfer to the right college if they're wanting to do that. Um, but a lot of kids can go to a two-year and get a good um, certificate or associate degree, some on-the-job training and internships that'll that'll set them up well, yes. There are several states around the country, including I know New York is one of the most recent that has made community college free to residents of the state. And I've also heard that um, community college graduates put back 
um, 37% more into the local economy with that associate's degree. So that's one of those things I talk about in my platform is I, I, I'm all for free community college. But let's talk a little bit more about what you do as a specialist. Somebody does want to go. So for example, Sun 3.0, his, his number one choice is going to be the hardest school for him to get into, and that is the University of Texas. He's in a program where everybody has like a 6.0. So, right, right. you know, he's going to graduate in the second quarter of his class mm-hmm. with a five point something, a high five point something. Uh, right. But so he's not automatically going to be accepted into the University of Texas. A lot of folks are, are filling out there. If they haven't submitted their college applications, they're they're darn close they right now. Yes. Yeah. They need to get Please those in. Close, right. What so what happens the longer you wait? Well, so unfortunately, those other kids get in line in front of you. Um, so a lot of um, college admissions will at least start to review the students who've already submitted in August and September and October. Um, those students are going to get acceptances earlier. That means they're in line for scholarships and financial aid earlier. Uh, for a lot of schools, that means they're in line for you know the, the, the nicer dorms earlier. So waiting longer or waiting even till a deadline is sometimes not advantageous for kids. Um, I know a lot of procrastinating teenagers, right, that they see that January 1st deadline and think they can do it over Christmas break, but everybody who's done it three months ahead of time is in front of them. So, Oh, been the there, done the that, been, been yeah, doing that. Yeah. We finally got ours in, I yeah, guess, okay. last Friday, but it was. It was like, you're wa- do not wait until the deadline. Again, that deadline? Um, well, it's different for different schools. UTNA and M is usually December 1st, so it sounds like your kiddo did it on the deadline. Right? Yeah, on the deadline. Um, that's yeah, unfortunately, that's when they run into problems of, you know, they get there and realize they didn't have a transcript or they forgot a teacher form or the website crashes. So there might be some problems with waiting until that actual deadline. But um, a lot of the Texas schools are December 1st. A lot of the other schools um, out of state are coming up with January 1st and 15th deadline. So for those kiddos who are, you know, right on the on the cusp of, of finishing applications, it's kind of crunch time. So for those folks that are waiting until the last minute and they haven't gotten them in, their students haven't gotten them in yet, let's talk a little bit about that essay process. You know, my first question is there are there are 52,000 students at the University of Texas. In August, it's like a whole town converges on a, on a city. There, right? Yeah, moves in. Um, who reads these? I mean, do they really read these? I told my son, I said, you better make sure your opening sentence makes people want to read more. That's a great advice, yes. Um, yeah, unfortunately, sometimes they, they meander a little bit trying to get to the point. Um, the college admissions will read their essays. I know that a lot of kids don't think they will. They're not going to read every single essay for every single kid. There's going to be kids whose you know SAT scores will get them in automatically, or whose class ranks are automatic. Those probably aren't getting read as much. There's kids who are at the very bottom of the SAT or rank, or you know the grades aren't well enough or aren't good enough, and they might not get read. But the majority of the kids in the middle there, they're gonna they're gonna at least pick one of the essays and read something to try to get to know the kid a little bit more and see if, if you know first and foremost if he put in a little effort to write a good essay and send it before they, his application goes in. And to see whether or not they can, you know, learn more about the student more than just the, the test scores and the grades on the application. I highly recommend that kids reach out to a favorite, uh, maybe like a favorite English teacher and ask for help. That's what uh, my son ended up doing was reaching out to actually son 2.0's um, English teacher who <laughs> became a friend and we just kept her. Um, so he reached out to her and went over there a few Sundays in a row and worked on sentence structure and essay structure because it is important. You have to be able to show you can write. Agreed. Yes. And it needs to show a little bit about your personality and resilience or whatever, you know, the topic is. Um, English teachers can definitely be a, a, you know, guidance there on help and um, reviewing and proofreading and stuff. Unfortunately, sometimes they don't know exactly what the colleges are looking for for topics. So a lot of the kids just jump into writing something and it's not the best prompt or it's not the best idea. So definitely, you know, think through that and make sure you're writing something that's not already in the application and that really answers the prompt, not something that you just really want to talk about. And then try not to be repetitive. A lot of, you know, A&M has three different essays and sometimes I see kids write about 
you know, their football life. I know it's a it's a big part of your life when you're 17, but it can't be the prompt for SAA and B because then the, the admissions counselor might get a little bored reading it. Reading all about football. Everybody thinks, right, just, just right. mention football, you'll get into Texas A&M. Well, it certainly hasn't hurt the new coach. $75 million. Can you imagine if we paid science teachers that? That's just my whole yeah. thing. Or if you're going to build a $52 million football high school football stadium, can we build yeah. a $52 million STEM center? Right, a science lab or something. That would be nice. Hello, you know? priorities, priorities. You know, that doesn't always go over real well here in Southeast Texas. But, you know, I would like no. to see as much money put into STEM as we do into sports. And, I mean, we could just, we could rock this world. But that would be a whole other show. Um, <laughs> for somebody who's got a, a high school freshman, sophomore, junior, what can they start doing now to make that college application look, stand out a little bit more down the road? Well, I tell people to ease the stress of, of college admissions. Ninth and 10th graders need to start doing a little bit of planning. Um, that could be a career quiz. It could be a couple college visits. Um, I know people think, you know, taking a 14-year-old to a college visit is going to be a little weird, but they get to start seeing the differences between schools like UT and A&M. They're pretty different culturally. And then can start figuring out which schools they might want to apply for. It makes junior year and the summer before senior year and applications a little easier. You're not all of a sudden looking at this list of 20 colleges saying, okay, which ones do you want to attend? And the kid has no idea. You know, it's so stressful at that point to go, I don't know, which one should I apply to if I've never even been on the campus? So spread out those visits and start doing a little early. Um, juniors obviously should be right in the middle of, of test prep and, and preparing for the SAT and ACT and we could go on and on about standardized tests and whether or not they should or shouldn't be important, but they are. So a lot of test prep and practice and study time needs to go into those to do well on them um, because those will be the determining factor for a lot of college admissions if you make a you know, a high enough score to be even be considered to even be looked at for the essays or scholarships or anything else. So, so kids need to put a lot of effort into practicing on those. What about life experiences? That's one of the things that our family is very much into, whether it's Mm -hmm. going to the theater, um, traveling, um, you know, making a pilgrimage to Google, (laughs) um, learning to to code as a family, because you can do that for free online. We sort of played around with that when they were kids. Um, Because most kids don't know what it is they want to do, and I think... I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, but my twelve, my 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 senior at the University of Texas, who is a major majoring in stage management and live musical theater and wants to work on Broadway, has known <laughs> what he wanted to do since he was six. He's not normal. My no. son or, or my husband, wonder husband, has known he wanted to fly jets since he was twelve years old, and he never wavered. Whereas, you know, I graduated when I was 16 and went to Texas A&M, and I changed my major and my apartment every semester. Um, (laughs) I think that's more the norm. People really don't know what they want to do. Right. Most kids don't, and they definitely don't, you know, in in junior high, like your family. Um, But usually they'll know something. So even the kids who tell me, no, I don't know what I want to major in, if I start listing, so you're okay, you want to be a doctor and a lawyer and an engineer and all of these things sound interesting, and they'll go, oh, no, no, not that or not this. And they'll take something off the plate, which kind of leads them in a general direction. So I've had people say, yes, I'm interested in math and science, but, you know, maybe not the blood and guts of being a doctor. I'm like, okay, that's perfect. That narrows it down quite a bit, actually. That's what I started at. I started pre-med and discovered that was not going to be, you know, pass out at the sight of blood. Maybe this is not a good idea. That's that's good information to have ahead of time, right? So so you can kind of start leading them in, in some general directions for the kids who aren't STEM majors. You know, our youngest is the only one still at home. We have three boys in college. Um, and she's, you know, maybe, I'm not STEM. What else is there? What other jobs? So, you know, we spend a lot of family dinners talking about it. And, and when we meet somebody else whose who's job she might find interesting, we you know, have her ask questions and, and just kind of research some of that. It, it kind of starts to lean towards, okay, maybe you like international studies and other cultures and business and, and some of that. And then when we're at colleges, you can go talk to those people and, and think about it. And the, that process of having them to just think about it for more than, you know, a month at a time will probably help when you at least have to select a major, you know, senior year. Well, I think um, the key but, thing you just said in there, Jolene, is having those conversations, sitting down right. and having those family conversations. 
um, and and letting letting your kid talk, let your teen talk right. about what they like. Nick has talked for two years about wanting to do, you know, game programming like every mm. other teenage boy. Right. I was say we hear a lot of that. Yeah. But he's gotten yeah, into it, and now he's interning with a company that does you know virtual reality. He's, oh, he's not even sure if he'll use that in gaming now. But we mm-hmm. let him take it to a level where he goes, wow, we could, this can be used in so many other different applications. I mean, you can, uh, once sure. we perfect, you know, virtual reality, AR, whatever, you can call your plumber, put on your little glasses, look under your sink, and your, your plumber's going to be able to talk you through right, how right. to fix it yourself. So he thought that was fascinating. We're speaking with JoLynn Brand. You're listening to The Voice for Southeast Texas. I'm Dana Steele. JoLynn is a higher education specialist um, specializing in um, the admissions process, which can be just absolutely daunting if you have not gone through it yet. Formerly a teacher in the Pasadena School District, also with the San Jacinto College System. Um, tell me more about what you're doing now and what your expertise is, JoLynn. Let's do a JoLynn um, commercial. <laughs> okay. So after, after teaching, I ended up getting my master's. I did a little bit of school administration and actually kind of missed the students. I had a lot of uh, one-on-one student interactions with students as a teacher that I really enjoyed. Um, so in 2011, I quit the, the public school districts and opened my own business, Brown College Consulting, to help families and high school students through the process of college admissions and helping them um, pick colleges, narrow down the applications, write essays and scholarships, and handle the financial aid applications. And hopefully with the end goal of finding a school that they're going to be comfortable at for four years, you know, we try to eliminate a little bit of the transferring because they do tend to lose credit in case it's more costly. Um, and some places will actually, you know, like their degree and want to graduate in four years because unfortunately about half the kids we send to college in Texas don't end up with a diploma from a college. So that that's a, in and of itself a problem. We're spending a lot of money educating them for one or two or three years and they don't finish. And it's not necessarily a, a job booster if they just have, you know, a bunch of English classes that aren't going to transfer or aren't going to get them a better job. We know um, one thing, one thing that, that people don't consider, and I remember... Um, uh, somebody advising uh, my son a couple of years ago, a friend in Austin, uh, Nick asked him, what do you wish you had known at my age? And he said, um, you really have to think about, do you like, you know, are you conservative? Are you liberal? Do you like sports? You don't like sports. Do you like big crowds? Do you not like big crowds? Mm-hmm. Um, so, And Nick said, I never thought about that about, you know, do I want to go to a school that has 52,000 people that's just like a city in itself, or do I want to, like my oldest son, he went to Western State College, which is 2,500 people, and right, he, and, right. he, and it's 19 below, but he loves that. <laughs> right. I don't love yeah, that. Definitely. That's why I, one of the reasons I suggest colleges is early, even ninth graders take them and, and have them visit, and some kids will go to UT, and yeah, it's got... 50,000 people, but it's also in the middle of Austin, and if you want to go to a theater or, you know, different kind of cuisines for dinner, you walk across the street and you're good. Um, And some people, you know, hate that because it's in the middle of the city and they feel too crowded and too boxed in, and you go to A&M, they have more than 65,000 students now, so it is its own city. Um, And they like the feel of everybody on campus goes to the Friday night football games, and if that's something you want to do, then that, that atmosphere works for you. And the Dixie Chicken. Don't forget the Dixie not. Chicken. That would be <laughs> right. that would be pretty much where I spent my college years. Where you spent was, the whole time. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. So they definitely need to figure out whether or not they'd feel comfortable there. I've had kids who you know go to the the rec center and ooh and all over this huge rock climbing wall. Um, but if they're not in sports, if they're not a member of a gym right now in high school and they don't go regularly, that's probably not someplace they'll visit regularly in college. Let's not pretend we're going to be different people all of a sudden in college. So what do they do now? How do they spend their time? That's what they're going to be spending their time in college. So if it's a lot of just sitting in their room or in their house with, with friends, then make sure the dorms are super comfortable and they have lounges and places where kids can can hang out and do homework and visit and watch movies and stuff. If they you know, are bored sitting at home and want to go do all these fun things, then maybe they need to be in the middle of the city where they can go to plays and musicals and concerts and things with people. You just have to make sure the kid's going to go someplace where they're not going to call home at the end of the first semester, you know, crying because they, they miss you. They're going to do a little bit of that. But they should like it enough that they want to, you know, stay and, and uh, forge new friendships. And well, and start creating their own lives. What's your website right. and phone number? How do people reach you? 
the website's brandcollegeconsulting.com. Um, so it's B-R-A-N-D, just like my last name. Um, phone number is 832-569-2467. Um, and they can find me on Facebook and Twitter and everything else. So if they want some, um, some advice or anything, I have a lot of parents that just post questions on there, and that's usually pretty helpful to get them started. And so you will, and I mean, people can people can get mm-hmm. some free advice to start out with, and then if they need right, you for right. more, they can bring you on. Right. What 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 grade? What age do you suggest they start working with you? Well, most families do come to me um, in junior year. Um, that's you know you, the time when they're starting to freak out a little bit about the SAT tests and college applications and things that are looming. Um, but the college consulting package is actually the same price for. A kid who starts in ninth grade, as it is, it starts in eleventh. So I like them to start early. That's why I incentivize them to start a little earlier. It's the same services. You just get to spread them out a little bit more, so it's less stressful for the parents and the kid and for me and my workload, so that we can do those things over time instead of saying, "Hey, nice to meet you. You have to do all you know all six of these things and research all ten of these colleges." You know, this semester in the middle of all your AP classes and your SAT class and everything else. So, so it's a little easier to, to spread it out. And once these kids go off to college, are you done with them, or can you help them with picking classes? Or, yes, you know, that's definitely. my biggest concern with Nick. Is since he did early college high school, will the, um, you know, are, are all all this, you know, if he goes to U of H Clear Lake or U of H, they're going to take him as a junior. If he goes to UT mm-hmm. or A and M, they're getting better about it, but. You know, they're not going to accept all of it. Right, right. Yes, no, we definitely follow them into college. A lot of kids then have follow-up questions of, you know, what classes should I take and when should I take them and what do I do for the summer and which dorm and meal plan is the best or which one should I pick. Um, So we definitely help along along the way. And unfortunately, picking classes and and, um, knowing when to take which classes and how to rearrange it for study abroad or for an internship or something is... You know, a little bit of work when you have to figure out which classes transfer and which ones they'll get credit for and, and whether or not they can fit in a minor or a double major or that sort of thing. So we we'll definitely go through that with them, yes. Aren't there, aren't there advisors, counselors within the school that should be helping the kids with this? There are, and they should. And like you said, you know, some of the couple of schools in Texas have, you know, over 50,000 students. So, so sometimes you can get in and sometimes not so much. And if you wait until... You know, it's registration time for the next semester. Um, everybody's trying to see the, the advisors and counselors, um, so you might have to wait too long. And you, if you really want to register for classes when you're, they're first available, so you're not stuck with that dreaded 8 a.m. class, right? So a lot of times they'll they'll shoot me an email instead of you know, having to wait for a couple of weeks for their college advisor to, to be available. We'll give out your contact information again, website, phone number, social media. Okay, so it's brandcollegeconsulting.com, 832 832- Five six nine two four six seven. Um, I'm here in the Friendswood area, um, and have our three boys are all in college, and we have one more in high school. So, so we're we're slowly getting them out and going through the same process as the parents, and, and that's nice to to figure out at the same time. But we definitely help the kids um, figure out what schools they want to go to and how to get in. And will you do this remotely? Because you know the the podcast yeah. goes all over, um, and right. and my district is all of Southeast Texas, so. Right. Yeah. It's, it's yes. a little have, bit of a drive to you from Jasper. Yes, from Jasper's a little far. Right. Yes. Again, great news about technologies. The students, my clients, have a, a student account dashboard that they can log in with and check tasks, and I can see what they're doing and what they're working on. And with Skype and Zoom, we can you know check in regularly. A lot of kids, even locally, would prefer that than having to to drive over. Or, you know, change out of their pajamas, so that's fine. We definitely work. Um, yeah, and quit wearing your pajamas to class in college. I hate that. <laughs> Don't do that. Jolan, thanks so much for being on the show. Will you come back sometime? Of course. Anytime. All right. Love it. Thank you so much, and I'll let you know when the podcast is out. All right. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye. Speaking with Jolyn Brand, uh, a higher education specialist. Yes, she can do it remotely. And having just gone through this with our last child, I'm telling you, start early. Gather as much information as you can. If you have questions, Jolyn, happy to answer those at no charge. So you can find her on Facebook. Um, and again, her number, 832-569-2467. If you are looking at going to community college, we've got great community colleges in the district.
Uh, we've got uh, we've got great universities. We have uh, Lamar University, which isn't exactly in the district, but a lot of students in the district go to it. We've got Lee and Baytown. We've got the San Jacinto um, Community College System. And you can also, if college is just not for you, reach out to your local labor union. There are a lot, there's a lot of free training. So if you want to learn to be a pipe fitter, you want to learn to be a welder, you want to learn to be a, uh, a plumber, you want to be an electrician, check with your local labor union, the AFL-CIO. I know there's the, the Sabine River Labor Organization. We have so many in the district. Just look up your local labor organization and find out what sort of free training is available there. You're listening to The Voice for Southeast Texas. I'm Dana Steele. Coming up, we'll be speaking with Abby Lee. She'll be in the studio talking about healthcare, my number one platform priority for Southeast Texas is healthcare. We'll be right back with The Voice for Southeast Texas. You're listening to The Voice for Southeast Texas, Dana Steele. level business networking opportunity then look no further than vinyl draft mark your calendar for 7 p.m on the third tuesday of each month and join doug meisinger and bertrand McHenry, along with co-host kelly williams for a totally unique networking concept no selling no passing out business cards just a place to mix mingle and create relationships with clear lake area's top professionals all of this with the fine food and craft cocktails of preamble lounge and craft house and an all vinyl lp soundtrack and remember Remember, it's Vinyl Draft. Wear something nice. 
If you would like to be in the studio audience for Dana's show, contact info at vinyldraft.com. That's info at V-I-N-Y-L-D-R-A-U-G-H-T dot com. Now, back to more of Dana Steele, the voice for Southeast Texas from the Associated Credit Union of Texas studio. Welcome back to the podcast. We do this every Tuesday morning live in the Vinyl Draft studios in the Clear Lake area. Always love to have guests in studio. Anything that has anything to do with Southeast Texas, whether it's my platform, healthcare, education, jobs. You know I love technology. I love STEM. I want to bring I want to bring so much more of this to the district. In fact, I was talking to Wonder Husband this morning. I said, you know, one of my one of my moonshots, and a moonshot is 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 like when President Kennedy said, we're going to the moon. And of course, all of us around here know what it is with NASA. But a moonshot is just a, a big idea that if you can bring it to fruition, um, great things usually happen. So one of my moonshots is I will have, as your congresswoman, an office in all nine counties, uh, whether it's Newton or Harris County. Harris County, we're going to have to have several offices because there's, you know, it's a huge population, whether it's Clear Lake or LaPorte or Baytown or Deer Park. But I am going to have an office, at least one office in every county, and every office is going to have free high-speed Wi-Fi with like a couch and chairs and a table, whereas my constituents, you can come there. Until I figure out a way to get high-speed Wi-Fi covering the district available to everyone and every student, you'll just be able to come by my office and work on coding or homework or job searches. And um, so that's one of the things that's very important to me. But the podcast is to spread these ideas and to spread information, healthcare being my number one priority on my platform. Healthy people can learn, create jobs, contribute to the economy, which builds the infrastructure. And it all starts with healthy people. Joining me live in the studio, which is always nice to have another body in here with me, is Abby Lee from the Bay Area Regional Medical Center. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You were just telling me a great story. Now, it's over on Highway 3, and I was telling Abby that when my mom, who has since passed away of Alzheimer's, was having problems with her feet, um, there was just an incredible doctor over there in the medical building that's next to the hospital, Dr. Patrick Briggs, which we've just, hello, Pat, we all have a crush on you. (laughs) Love Dr. Briggs. He's amazing. The best podiatrist. Well, there are a lot of really great podiatrists, but he's he's the one that I go to for my feet. Well, so. he was so kind to mom, and she just had such a crush on him. But we watched the building begin to be constructed, and then it stopped, and then it started, and then it stopped, and then all of a sudden it was finished into this beautiful building. And you were telling me a great entrepreneurial story, so I'm going to get you to repeat what finally happened with the building? Okay, so um, when it was first being um, developed, uh, there was another hospital system that had uh, gotten uh, Manzar Harani with Metastar to build the hospital. Thank you so much. And um, in 2008, the recession hit and the hospital system pulled out and decided that they weren't going to build a hospital there. Well, the hospital still had the beams and everything. So Monzer said, you know what? I don't like anything to fail. So we're just going to make this our, our own. So in the recession, he had to go and get financing and basically start from scratch all over again to, re- to, build, to finish building the hospital. So we've been open for three and a half years now. And uh, you were also saying it is privately owned. And, and that made my ears perk up as an entrepreneur and a solo entrepreneur for so long. When you are privately owned, like when I owned the space store myself, I could get so much done. I could do so much for my customers that maybe a large um, organization could not do. And then when I sold it to a corporation, it became harder and harder to just get the simplest customer service done. So that made my ears perk up when you said that the Bay Area, um, it's a Bay Area Regional Medical Center over on Highway 3, right off of Bay Area Boulevard, right? Or it's it's off Highway of, 3 and Blossom Street, the big Highway blue three and Blossom building. Um, is privately owned, and you said we tend to be able to get things done maybe a little bit better or a little bit faster. Elaborate on that. So we are a nimble organization and we can uh, make some decisions that are local, locally based and not have to go through a corporate um, 
a corporate office in a different city in a different state that tells us what we need to do. So we, we can make a lot of decisions that can make a difference in people's lives really quickly and help with the doctors as well. Healthcare, of course, big, big, big news all the time. Um, we've got uh, the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obama, uh, Obamacare. Most people, for some reason, think it's two different things. It's not. It's the same thing. The signups for those are at an all-time record high right now, despite the fact that um, the current administration is trying to keep it a secret, so it's not a secret here. You can sign up at healthcare.gov through December the 15th. That is the deadline. But the more people that sign up, the more rates are going to go down. So check that out at healthcare.gov. What does, as, as a hospital system, you're dealing with, you're dealing with, you know, insurance companies, you're dealing with Obamacare, you're dealing with Medicare, you're dealing with Big Pharma, you're dealing with device makers, uh, and you're also competing with larger hospital systems. That's a lot to ask you with 11 minutes and nine seconds left in a show. <laughs> but tell me how Bay Area is handling all of this at once, because it's a, it's a fluid changing thing. And you said a key word just a few seconds ago, we're a nimble organization. So how are you working with this system in change? Well, we've got a really great team of people at our hospital that work on a lot of those aspects of it, right? So it's not one person that's over. Well, yes, we have a CEO, but we have a lot of different departments that that combine to make up our organization and help it be nimble. Um, Our hospital, like pay for performance, um, I have a really good example. So patient satisfaction is a big thing that a lot of hospitals are are working toward because if you don't have good patient satisfaction scores, you're not going to be reimbursed very much for for your patient satisfaction scores. Um, this la- this year, we were ranked in the top 90th percentile in patient satisfaction nice. in our ER. That's so among the nation. So that's just not in this area. That's nationwide. We were ranked top 99th percentile in patient satisfaction. 99th percentile. That's awesome for um, our surgery services. So people are having really, really great experiences at our hospital, and that is definitely helping. So it really takes, it is a team approach when it comes to taking care of people and making sure that all of our T's are crossed and our I's are dotted on all aspects of it. Because we could we could talk about the weeds all day long, but in the grand scheme of things, we have a great team of people that are working to take care of people and make a difference every day, which is Now talk awesome. about it from the patient side, because that's the side, you know, I see when, when you know, Wonder Husband has a kidney stone or, you know, my little teeny tiny wrist you know start to mess up on me again um and then you go in and then what happened that we get like 85 different bills now what is that you know it's so crazy now do do is it easier for patients to sit down with your team and say help me figure this out than it is in a bigger system so we we do have like a list of it depends on what you're coming in for too right because right. you could have a radiology or an ER doctor you know your hospital services are one thing so um, we try to do a really good job in communicating that to people and saying all right you might get a bill from this person you might get a bill from this person um, and we don't know what they're going to charge you know because they're a separate organization other than the hospital right. so it really would be nice if it was um, something like because it used to be you aviation. went to the ER and you got one bill and then i guess the hospital took care of paying everybody now you know my favorite is well your 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 anesthesiologist wasn't in your in your health care plan i'm like you know i was getting a colonoscopy it was not at top of mind for me to ask excuse me are you in my plan yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so that's that's part of it unfortunately right now so we all have to learn to ask those questions though don't we yeah all right, yes. even in a even in a privately owned hospital. It happens everywhere. So the best thing that a consumer can do is just be informed. Ask yes. questions. Everybody who gets ready to touch you, it's like, wait, are you in my plan? <laughs> wait, I want you to go look that up. Uh, we're speaking with Abby Lee, who is with the Bay Area Regional Medical Center. Um, do you guys discuss it all? And it's a touchy subject, but it's one that's close to my heart. Do you discuss how the hospital will change if we are ever able to pass Medicare for all. I think that that's something that a lot of hospitals will, I think that there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of speculation across the board. And before 
Um, and he, I think that once we'll have to wait until legislation mm-hmm. is actually passed before we can get a true, this is our strategy and this is our plan. And so this you'll is work how. from it then. But yeah, because, I mean, things change almost right. daily. So, yeah, our plan today could be this. And then tomorrow it's a 360 degree change because, oh, we're going to they, they decided a different thing. So that's kind of what I've seen in the past with all of the changes, everybody, there's a lot of speculation and there, there's a lot of what ifs and you can play the what if game like all day. Um, Be chasing I, your tail all day if you don't yeah. just wait to see what the legislation is. Um, you know, the, I, I said earlier, I'll say it again, the whole point of this show is to speak to people in the district, to speak to people that can help people and inform people in the district. So let's go back to this whole he decided to just take this on himself because I'm in pro. We're going to have to get him in here now because I specifically go to Orange County. Orange County does not have a hospital. If you have a heart attack on the far side of Orange County and you aren't close to Beaumont, you're you're dead. You're not going to get there in time. And, and I've been thinking all along, it's going to take an entrepreneur. It's going to take somebody with that sort of passion for healthcare or passion for getting something done. So we need to get him on this show and talk to him about, let's build a hospital. I mean, there's already a hospital there. You know, what do we do to bring another hospital in? So what are, what are some of his entrepreneurial uh, So he mainly is a real estate developer. So he, he okay. builds hospitals, um, uh, medical office buildings, integrated medical plazas. He is building um, a hotel in the medical center. He's got buildings all over the world. Oh, we definitely have to. What's his name again? Monzer Harani. He's my new favorite person. <laughs> Tell him I, we need to. We need to build. We can even. We can name it his name. It can be the. Uh, Say his last name again. Harani. Harani. It could be the Harani Medical Center <laughs> in Orange County. That's one of the things on the top of my list is we have got to get some, uh, we've got to get a hospital and more medical services into areas like Orange. You get up into places like Newton. They really don't have much. So, yeah, I think we're, we're going to have to talk to him some more. Now, let's on a lighter note, Bay Area Regional Medical Center off of Blossom and Highway 3. Abby Lee joining us right now talking about um, this privately owned medical center uh a nimble organization i love that that maybe you can get more things done or things done a little bit faster than you could in a bigger system you have a party coming up and it's not a private party no it's a community party we'll have a lot of uh physicians employees community involved in it um it's our community christmas party it's december 12th i'd love for you to come i will give you a tour personally so come and see me there's gonna there's usually a ton of people that come to this thing but we'd love to have you come into the hospital and actually see it is really decked out for the holidays we've got a lady named annette do you put like little santa hats on all the babies or anything that's my favorite part i just want to go hang out and look at the babies oh my gosh i have to show you some baby pictures that we took <laughs> so we just opened our ob unit in september so side note i'll i'll digress and then come back okay, okay. <laughs> so we just opened our ob unit so we just started started delivering babies we've delivered um i think 200 babies since september which i think is i awesome. would anytime i got stressed or anything i would have to just stop all my work and just go look at because that's the happiest place in a hospital it is, it is. well um, there's a couple. Of, there, there's a lot of safety and security on the seventh, on the fifth floor. So you're not going to be able to just, just go, go up and walk and look. Yeah, <laughs> and most of the time the babies are actually in the rooms with moms because we really um, encourage some baby bonding time with mom and family. Um, so that's that's awesome. And we have a level three NICU, so we're the only hospital in the area that can take uh, babies. And as explain young what as that is. I had one of those, but there's somebody who doesn't know what a NICU so is. So a NICU is an acronym for neonatal ICU. So it's for very sick babies. They're premature. Um, they have some issues with delivery um, and need a little bit of help. So we can definitely take care of. We have private NICU suites. I had one that was uh, Sun 2.0 was almost seven weeks early. He was he was four pounds. Oh my lord! Um, they did not let me have him in a birthing room. They put me in a in the OR because they were really concerned. And when he was born, they tried to stop him, and he was just ornery then. <laughs> um, and when he was born, they put him on my chest really quickly. And he lifted up and looked at me. The nurses went, whoa, they're not supposed to be able to do that. I said, I felt like Sigourney Weaver, the little alien was coming out of my chest. I was like, ah! And uh, I think he was he was 4 pounds, 19 wow. inches. I look back now, he looked like a ferret. 
Aww. I thought he was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in well, my yes, life. Well, yes, it's but, your baby. Yeah, but now you look at the pictures, I'm like, Lord, you look like a ferret. Oh. <laughs> you, you were like all nose and this long, skinny body. So He's, so he was in the NICU. Was it in a NICU that was a really large area with a lot of babies in it? It it, it truly was. It was. So. so our NICU is designed to have private NICU suites. So if you oh, had that's a nice. NICU baby now, you would, so scary. Own, you would have your own room. Yeah. Yeah. No, we had a 13-pound preemie next to us. I was like, how do you have a 13? That that hurt. That just, ow. Yeah. A 13-pound preemie. And the parents walked in, and I went, okay, explains it. They were, like, both eight feet tall. And oh, my goodness. A 13-pound preemie. I cannot even Can imagine, you, uh, like, carrying... I had a four-pound baby and a five-pound baby. I just, I just, I highly, <laughs> I highly recommend those little tiny babies. Thank you very so much. So go to our Facebook page. Coming soon, we have a lot of our babies that we delivered, all dressed as Santa and trees, Christmas trees. Oh my God, they're the cutest ever. So oh, how fun! Um, come to that and come to our Christmas party. It's December. So 12th let's go back to that. Yep. Yeah, more details, address. Food, tell me. Food, we're going to have uh, Virtuosi of Houston. They're a classical um, kids ensemble program. They're going to be they're going to be there. We have a lady named Annette who does this for free. She has a massive Christmas village. You know, like the Christmas village, oh, yeah. you can get a couple the one of them. I don't have the patience to put up. I don't either. Like I the, the patience is it takes her like over a month to put this village together. It is unbelievable, but it brings a smile to almost everybody's face whenever they pass by. It, it stays in the hospital all through Christmas and uh, then she starts taking it down. But we have a lot of really great things like that to come and see How and experience. Fun. How fun. Well, we are going to take a break here in just a few minutes, but I'm going to get you to stick around when we uh, we wrap up things. We're speaking with Abby Lee from the Bay Area Regional Medical Center. I was fascinated to find out it's privately owned. So what a great entrepreneurial effort over there. Um, A lot of great doctors. They took uh, incredible care there in the medical services building next door um, of my mom, Fran Nicholson, before she passed away of Alzheimer's. And they have a big Christmas party coming up. We'll repeat that information in just uh, a few minutes. By the way, your background... um, uh, you were with the Harris County Emergency Corps. Yes. And then also, I guess, in Tomball Community Health Services and Nursing. So this has been a lifelong passion for you. I've been in healthcare for about 12 years. Well, yeah. You know, we were talking about colleges and careers a little bit earlier. Um, stick around because I want to come back and ask you how did you find your passion when you Absolutely. graduated and started to go off to college? You're listening to The Voice for Southeast Texas. That would be me, Dana Steele. And we'll be back in just a few minutes because we had a song for Abby. We'll be back. You're listening to The Voice for Southeast Texas, Dana Steele. Say if it's too late 
to more of Dana Steele, the voice for Southeast Texas from the Associated Credit Union of Texas studio. You are back live with Dana Steele, uh, the voice for Southeast Texas. If you need more information on me, you can always go to danasteele36.com, D-A-Y-N-A-S-T-E-E-L-E, the number is 36.com, standing for the 36th Congressional District of Texas, the best of Southeast Texas, including nine counties where I'm trying to talk my guest today into building a hospital in Orange, but we'll work, <laughs> we'll work on that at a later date. Abby Lee from the Bay Area Regional Medical Center, big party coming up at this uh, hospital that is open to the public i'm going to let you give that information again okay we'd love for you to come it's our community-wide christmas party open house it's december 12th at 6 p.m inside the grand lobby at the hospital the address is 200 blossom street we are the big blue glass building at highway 3 in blossom so you can't miss it and i think you're actually outside of my district by one lane of the highway that's, ah. that's how crazy gerrymandered. Uh, 36 is bordered on Highway 3, but it's like someone maybe had a little eggnog and just drove <laughs> back and forth as they gerrymandered this district. So if you're not in my district, you're just on the edge of it, but we'll come by and visit. I wanted to ask you, you asked me, she's like, how do you know where I worked? Well, of course I looked at you on LinkedIn. <laughs> you know what? It used to be called stalking. Now it's called Googling. You can look, you can yeah. look anybody up anywhere, <laughs> anytime, and find out anything on them. You've spent a lot of time in healthcare and health services. Um, is that something you were always fascinated in? Because we started the show off today talking about um, college and high school seniors and juniors getting ready and looking for that that passion. Tell me a little bit about your path. Okay, so um, I went to Mary Hardin Baylor for my undergrad, and I double majored in mass communication, journalism, and English. And about my mom is a nurse, um, and my dad was an engineer. So I kind of grew up with with them. As but I was like, I do not want to be a nurse. Whatever my mom was doing. Like giving people shots and like, no, Mm, no. I just didn't want to hurt people or, you know, something like that where they're going to be hurt and I'd have to like take care of them and maybe give them a shot or start an IV or something like that. But I was always around healthcare and I knew a lot about it because of my mom. So um, I like to write. I like to communicate that that was my major. Right. So um, I was like, well, what can I do that that can make a difference in people's lives that I won't be bored in? (laughs) <laughs> because you know that could I don't want to be stuck at a cubicle all day um, that I can really help people so um, it kind of just made sense the healthcare route because it's really helping people and healthcare is always evolving a new there's always something new happening there's a new procedure there's a new prescription there's a new way of doing things in healthcare and you've got to get people, the word out you got to communicate it you well, got to market it yeah and people always need it it's always going to be around because mm-hmm. there will always be something that people will have as a heart attack or have an accident or something like that. It's always going to be around. But you found a way to combine all of those things. I think that's what people really need to think about. I was speaking to a group of oil and gas interns and this one kid was like, well, you know, I'm going to be an accountant in oil and gas because I mean, my parents told me I have to be an accountant in oil and gas. But my passion is really golf. And you say pursue your passion. And I couldn't do that. I'm like, Tiger Woods needs an accountant. Golf Tech needs an accountant. Top Golf go. needs an accountant. Why don't you combine those two? I thought I always wonder if that kid like went back to his parents and goes, "I'm quitting oil and gas and I'm going to work for a golf store." I'm like, okay, they probably don't like me, but it's so important that you find something that you are passionate about. Mm-hmm. And um, you were saying we had a few comments where they what on the Facebook page or what are they? Yes, yeah, on? on our Facebook. So we had someone that said, "Love Dr. Briggs and lots of thanks and good jobs." Well, we're going to have to send a copy of this podcast to, to Dr. Patrick Briggs and say, we've done, we've done a commercial for you today here <laughs> yeah. on The Voice for Southeast Texas. Everyone's favorite foot doctor, Dr. Briggs. Well, we have just a few seconds. Would you like to wrap it up with some more information on the hospital? Sure. If you'd like to uh, look up the hospital and see all of the services that we have, we have an amazing ER with trauma, level three trauma designation. We're in pursuit of that. We're going to be going for stroke center certification. We're delivering baby 
babies with a level three NICU that can take babies as, as young as 23 um, weeks, wow. which is awesome. Um, we do surgery, everything that you would need in a hospital. We're right here and we're ready to take care of you. You can go to barmc.us for more information if you want to get into the details of it. Great. Well, thanks for being in studio. You've been listening to The Voice for Southeast Texas. I'm Dana Steele, running to be your congresswoman for the best of Southeast Texas. For more information, if you'd like to donate to the campaign and help us along, if you'd like to volunteer and, you know, block walk, make calls, whatever, get involved, no matter which side of the race you're on, get involved. It's America, it's democracy, and there's no better anywhere in the world. DanaSteele36.com, D-A-Y-N-A-S-T-E-E-L-E, 36.com. The Voice for Southeast Texas. We'll see you next week. Thanks. You've been listening to The Voice for Southeast Texas, Dana Steele. For more information or to be on the show, visit danasteele36.com. That's D-A-Y-N-A-S-T-E-E-L-E-36.com. Join us next Tuesday at 9 a.m. for more of The Voice for Southeast Texas, Dana Steele. For info on hosting your own show on Vinyl Draft Radio, contact us via email at info at vinyldraftradio.com or by phone at 281-210-4608. The preceding program, The Voice for Southeast Texas, was paid for by the Dana Steele Campaign.